We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is April 17th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. What's up, Luke? What it do, baby? What's uh you hanging in there over there? Just a little bit removed. We got some postseason basketball. Have you been enjoying the break thus far? I have, but I also don't feel like I've really had a break. I love my family very much, but we had family in town all last week. So where it would normally mm-hmm. be my week of like, oh, I have nothing to do. Like I can kind of decompress. There was none of that because, you know, we had family staying with us and it was a a great visit. But so far, I've been enjoying playoff basketball. Like yesterday, watching the the Sixers and Hawks, I was hoping that game was going to be a a little bit closer than it was. It Sixers and Hawks? It wasn't Sixers and Hawks. It was Sixers and Nets. That game wasn't as close as I wanted it to be. And then who did the Hawks just get destroyed? The Celtics. That's who it was. I was hoping those games were going to be a little bit closer. But then I was also watching UFC Fight Night because I was like, mm. Max Holloway and Arnold Allen, this is usually like a card that's on like the, the main card of a pay-per-view event. So I wanted to watch that. But then I realized that Warriors and Sacramento was getting pretty spicy, so I turned that game on, that and game that game was, was fantastic. So, so I haven't really gotten to that break yet. But it's funny that you asked how I'm doing because I wasn't really nervous about the draft lottery, even though and we're going to talk about the draft lottery more in a minute. I wasn't really nervous about the lottery at all until today when my buddy was like, hey, are you nervous about the lottery? And then I was like, actually, yes, I am. And I'm <laughs> really not looking forward to it in a way. But how are you? Have you gotten a break? Um, yes, I, I, I spent uh, early part of last week still kind of recovering kidney stone stuff. And then um, finally got back in the switch. Which, how are you, nuts. by the way, Luke? We had a we had a, uh, a, a a viewer that was very mad that I didn't ask how you were doing on the podcast episode. How oh. are your kidneys and your you know your kidneys uh, exit, if you will? Um, I, I listen. I I have felt pretty good. I felt pretty good last week. 
Um, I think I missed Monday at work last week just with some nausea and other things. I'll spare details. And then um, the rest of the week, I was just playing catch up from the week before. There's nothing worse in sales than, you know, doing insurance, auto home insurance stuff than like missing a week and then coming back and having to play catch up. Um, but uh, yeah, got to feeling pretty normal. And then I did something really dumb. And uh, I do have a stent, more TMI, don't really care. Mm. Um, and I played basketball uh mm. yesterday no no it was it was terrible um it was awful and i uh, had to tap out after 30 minutes and uh, had some some symptoms i also was very details on so it was uh you know kind of set me back a little bit but i'm good now uh yeah. i've been enjoying a lot of this postseason basketball aside from the games that have been kind of duds like we alluded to but that king's warriors game um was awesome like i've just been enjoying turning on my tv and not stressing out because you and i we watch so much magic basketball that there's almost just not too much time to watch regular basketball between recording and keeping up with games and whatever and family time on the nights that magic don't play and we don't record so like finally getting to really watch other teams and stuff um has been a breath of fresh air not stressing about any result you know what's also been refreshing Normally, this is the time of year where I turn a game on, like NBA playoffs, obviously. And I'm struck by the feeling like, wow, this is completely different than what I watch on a nightly basis. And that's been the case for so long where you watch other teams play and you almost feel like you're watching a different sport. This is the first time in a long time where I'm like, it doesn't feel like that, which feels like an improvement. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a different sport anymore. Thankfully, we're making progress. Now, when we folks. get to the when we get to like the, the conference finals, we'll probably be like, okay, this is a different sport. But but this first round, playing games especially, I was like, the Magic could beat all these. We teams, could do this. Know? We could do this. I will probably. say, Kings Warriors does feel like a different sport. Mm-hmm. That does, which is crazy considering the Kings were awful last year. And the year before that, and the year before that, and the 14 years before that. So there's that. Happy for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Folks, don't forget, coming up really like four weeks from Tuesday, as you're listening to this, is 29 days away, the NBA Draft Lottery. We're hosting a NBA Draft Lottery watch party the night of May 16th. It's a Tuesday night. Party is going to start at 7 o'clock. The lottery is going to be at 8 o'clock. We are as Woj would say, kind of honing or, or targeting or, or we're, we're putting a circle around specific venues. We're still trying to figure out like the fine details and how all that's going to work. But if it goes the way that we're hoping, it, it has the potential to be pretty big. So we're looking forward to that. So mark your calendar, clear your schedule, request off work, whatever you have to do. Uh, plan on being with us the night of May 16th. It is a Tuesday night. Starting at 7 o'clock, it's going to be a lot of fun. Really quick, Luke, we're going to get into our front court player grades. We'll go through like the the bigs, you know, the power forwards, the centers traditionally give our player grades for how they performed uh, compared to our expectations for this season. But before that, just a couple of pieces of magic news. We failed to comment on this last week. It's my fault totally. Uh, but the Lakeland Magic are moving to Kissimmee and will now be known as the Osceola Magic. Luke, getting the 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 G League team closer to Orlando 
especially for the two-way guys and the guys that the Magic kind of shift back and forth. I think this is going to be a, a really good thing for the Magic, but I will say I'm kind of sad for Lakeland. Yeah, I mean, I, as some of our listeners probably already know, I interned in Lakeland um, for a season, and they genuinely uh, love that team. So, you know, the people that were there, albeit the crowds weren't enormous, um, but decent, right? It's a G League game, not much, ex- you know, to be expected there. But the people that were there were there, it felt like almost every game. They had loyal season ticket holders. I do feel bad for those people in Lakeland that that lost that. Um, that being said, you go from the RP Funding Center to the Silver Spurs Arena, which holds about two to 3,000 more. They, I think their capacity is like 10,000. So, and also just closer to, to Orlando and giving people, you know, maybe more Magic fans, true Magic fans in Orlando, an ex, you know, excuse, no, really kind of limit your, limiting your excuses. You're closer. Um, you might as well, especially if the Magic are going to continue to do things like they did with Jonathan Isaac. Um, you know, hopefully we don't have that happen too much. But J.I. playing in, you know, Lakeland, some Lakeland games, things like that will give fans just the opportunity to go see you know, Magic players in a different way. In what was about like an hour, hour and 10 minute drive from Orlando to Lakeland to be able to watch the Lakeland Magic. Now it's a 25 minute drive down the turnpike from Amway Center yeah. to Silver Spurs Arena there in Kissimmee. So like you said, for Magic fans who throughout the week or Magic are on a two-week road trip and they want to go out and do something and, and go to a game, you'll be able to drive to, to Kissimmee now. And for those G League assignments, whether it be a guy like RJ Hampton or Caleb Houston or Jonathan Isaac with the rehab assignment, for people that were like on a weeknight, you know, it's just too much for like a two and a half hour kind of round right. trip. Now you're 25 minutes away. So I'm excited for what it means for the G League like team and organization itself. Just given their proximity to Orlando, but it does suck for Lakeland. But overall, I think it's a change that needed to happen, and I'm excited to see how it's going to benefit that organization as a whole. Some of the early returns for Rookie of the Year voting have been confirmed one way or another, whether it be an admission on a podcast or in an article or a tweet. But so far, I think the the list is at 20 we have 20 con- uh, confirmed Rookie of the Year uh, first-place votes. Paolo Bancaro receiving 19 out of the 20. The only first-place vote that he has not received from this confirmed list is from Andy Larson, who his first-place vote went to Walker Kessler, Luke. And you will never, ever guess the outlet that Mr. Andy Larson writes for. Oh, you know what? I could guess it, Jonathan, because no one has shut up about Andy Larson for the last week of my life. And I, I'm so <laughs> mad that we even have to talk about this because Andy Larson decided to be a buffoon and put his vote toward Walker Kessler as he works for like the Salt Lake City Tribune or something like that. Is Salt it the name Lake of the outlet, Tribune. Jonathan? Okay, so I was close because I've seen it a million times. So... Uh, yeah, Andy Larson's been defending himself. He's been getting his like week of fame here in the last week, which makes me believe maybe he did that for a reason. Maybe this was a publicity stunt. I think it was. Um, so yeah, I, you know, he's said some pretty asinine things here on Twitter, defending his vote and how he's an advanced analytic guy, but he's 
really only applying it to the rookie of the year award, not other awards that are out there and it's voting and it's very clear. So yeah, there's my Andy Larson piece. I've restrained really from anything on Twitter for the most part. And um, I'm ready for me to never have to hear about this guy again. Yeah. It seems like we're probably going to have to wait like at least a, another week or another couple of weeks to hear the announcement. I know they're announcing a few of the awards like throughout this week, like, six man of the year and clutch player of the year. I think coach of the year as well as one of those, but like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're going to be basically announcing an award a night, which is I kind of like the idea you're giving each award winner, like their own night. Like, Oh, it's this night. We're going to talk about probably going to be De'Aaron Fox, like the clutch player of the year this year, this night we'll talk about Emmanuel quickly or whoever wins the six man of the year. I kind of like that rather than having like the NBA award show, like they've been doing the last couple of years. But yeah, it seems like we're at the minimum going to have to wait like another you know week or or maybe two weeks to find out the official you know, rookie of the year. But Paolo, regardless of what happens, Paolo is the rookie of the year for me. I know he's the rookie of the year for you, but I, I found that pretty interesting. So figured that we would talk about it. On this episode, as we are now strictly like we're out here now in terms of offseason content, right? This mm-hmm. is the 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 part of the year where we have to get really creative. Now, right after, like immediately after the regular season ends, it's kind of easy because we can do things like player grades and projections for next year, all that kind of fun stuff. But we are now transitioning to that. There is officially no magic basketball to talk about of any sorts. So we're going to get into our player grades. This is going to be the first episode of our player grades. We're going to do the front court and then probably either the next episode or the following episode, we'll go ahead and do the back court. So first of all, if you're new to the Magic, you're new to basketball in general, front court is like your your larger players, like closer to the basket. That's what they refer to as the front court. I don't really understand that to me, like the front of the court, like as a player should be where the guards are, but that's neither here nor there. But we're essentially talking about the larger forwards, your centers, the quote unquote bigs, and then your backcourt. You're always talking about your you know more smaller wings and your guards. So we're going to get into the front court. Essentially, the bigs first is what we'll break down. So we're going to be talking about, obviously, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., Moritz Wagner, Bull Bull, Goga Batadze, Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okeke. Okay, I was so Whoa. close. That was the half was and crazy. half of Okeke and Okiki. Chuma Okeke and then Admiral Schofield. Uh, I thought we would break it down. We'll talk about Goga, J.I., Chuma OKK, Admiral Schofield, some of the m- not as consequential bigs. Then we'll talk about Moritz Wagner, Bull Bull, and then we'll finish it up with Paolo, Franz Wagner, and Wendell Carter Jr. Luke, where do you want to start in that group of Admiral, Chuma, J.I., and Goga? Let's just start with J.I. Let's start with J.I. My piece isn't very long for him. Um. And and the way also just to kind of preface and you and I figured out we're on the same page with these grades and how we're going to do it, where you establish kind of the average here um, is going to be basically how they these players stacked up to your expectations for them prior to the season. So Let me, can I jump in here yeah. just for one second? I, I, I'm sorry for interrupting there. It, it has come to light that. When we are doing certain breakdowns like this, and most of the time we're talking, we're giving our opinion, <laughs> people aren't listening to that part of things. Like we're talking about our opinion or like our 
partiality is is that even a word? I think I might have just created that. Partiality is a word. I think. If we're talking about our favorite thing or we're talking about our opinion, take it as that. It is an opinion. All right. <laughs> just want to put that out there because there are certain folks it's come to light on the channel that don't listen to what we say before we say things. This is not our ranking of like the best players or whatever. This is how they stacked up relative to our expectations of them going into this season. Yeah. Um, for me, Jonathan Isaac gets a C plus. Um, I think that the one area for me that I saw because my expectation will start there real quick here. My expectation on Jonathan Isaac was really no expectation at all. It was just kind of like he steps on the court. You get a C. That's really it. I'm giving him a C plus in this situation. Um, and it really is because of what he showed me uh, when it came to rebounding the basketball. Rebounding the basketball to give context here in 2019-2020, he played almost 30 minutes a game, 6.8 rebounds. Uh, this year in 11 minutes, he had four. His per 36 was almost 13 rebounds. Rebounding for me was where he really stuck out and like exceeded expectation for me. So I, I, that's why I'm putting J.I. at a C plus. So I didn't give like pluses or minuses. I just went solid letter grade and don't mm -hmm. change your grades based off of me, but yeah. I just want people to understand that as we go through. So I just wanted to provide like as much context as possible. So I gave Jonathan Isaac a C as well. So he played 11 games, which by the way, the magic were eight and three in those 11 games. I can't not <laughs> look at that, uh, but he mm -hmm. played 11 minutes per game, averaged five points, four rebounds, 1.3 steals, shooting splits, 41, 40%, 55. Um, looking at his on-off numbers, uh, in terms of offensive rebounding percentage, the Magic as a team were plus 8.2 percentage points better. So they grabbed 8.2% of all available offensive rebounds more with Jonathan Isaac on the floor, which to your point about his rebounding, that was 98th percentile in the entire league. Um, team defensive turnover percentage, uh, the Magic got an additional 5.4% better with Jonathan Isaac on the floor, 100th percentile in the entire league. And when I saw these numbers, I'm like, wait a minute, I need to look at Jonathan Isaac's like personal like defensive metrics and all this I'm getting from cleaning the glass. In terms of block percentage, so uh, basically percentage of shots blocked with Jonathan Isaac on the floor, 1.8% for his uh, position, 100th percentile. Steal hmm. percentage, 4.7%, 100th percentile. Foul percentage, so how many you know, percentage of fouls committed with him on the floor? 98, uh, I'm sorry, 1.7%, 98th percentile. Uh, offensive rebounding, um, what percentage of his team's field goals, missed field goals did the player rebound? 9.8% for Jonathan Isaac, 99th percentile. Uh, defensive rebound uh, percentage, 24.5%, 100th percentile. Uh, free throw off offensive rebound off of free throws for Jonathan Isaac, 12.5%, 100% percentile. Uh, <laughs> defensive free, th free throw rebound percentage, 42.9%, 99th percentile for Jonathan Isaac. Just like every defensive metric that you can look at on cleaning the glass, Jonathan Isaac is like the 98th, 99th, or 100th percentile. So put that with the eye test. The on off numbers for Jonathan Isaac weren't fantastic. I think a lot of that has just like his 
uh, pure like uh, plus minus differential wasn't amazing. I think a lot of that has to do with who he was playing with a lot of the times that he was on the floor. Yeah. But it just goes to show you in his limited minutes, defensively, he is still that guy. Mm-hmm. Now, really where the drawback is for me is that we got to see him play 11 games and then he had another season-ending injury. So yeah. it's great that he was on the floor. Had he played like the entire season, like he probably would have got a B or an A for me. But mm-hmm. it's the fact that now we're having to call into question whether or not he's going to be durable moving forward. That I don't. It's hard to give him anything higher than a C. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to kind of move? Let's uh, move on here to the next one. Yeah. Let's uh, go to Chuma next. Uh, Chuma okay. is the only player that I gave a D. I was really <laughs> disappointed with Chuma's performance this year. Played in 27 games. The Magic were eight and 19 in those games. He averaged 19 minutes per game, 4.7 points, 3.6 rebounds, 1.4 assists, shooting splits of 35, 30, 76. On off numbers, uh, the Magic were 9.5 points worse with Chuma on the floor, uh, and that was 12th percentile amongst all players. Mm -hmm. By the end of the season, this is a guy that was getting DNPs, uh, struggled staying healthy as well, and then when he was healthy, the Magic just deemed that he wasn't good enough to be on the floor. And uh, yeah, for a guy now in his third playing season with the Magic, just really has seemed to regress in most areas. Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and um, I gave Chuma a D minus. I was so very close to giving him an F, and I probably should have, but for the sake of you know being somewhat respectable here, I'll give him a D minus. The biggest thing for me was that regression, obviously. He plays the least amount of minutes he's played in his career. Um, and he shoots the worst in his career on the least amount of shots. Like, if you're not able, I don't care. Like, the whole thing on the front end with at the beginning with Chuma was that his defense was going to be kind of the the foundation of his game. And while it definitely still was, it was not enough to make up for how terrible he was offensively. He, it is incredibly difficult to shoot the worst you've ever shot on the least amount of attempts you've had up to to this point in your career in 27 games whereas before we were seeing him play 70 games 45 games his rookie year um stinks because you at least thought that he was gonna be a, a respectable rotational player for this team and it's someone you could depend on but instead he goes across the board and basically averages career lows and everything. So it sucks. Um, I feel bad for Chuma, but it, it is what it is, man. And and we'll see, you know, what, what direction the Magic decide to go with him. But I won't be shocked if he's not on the team next year. Yeah, I feel bad. And like the criticisms for Chuma for me is like really just like he needs a change of scenery, I think, like in the same way that Mo Bamba needed a change of scenery. And, and at the end, Terrence needed a change of scenery. And RJ Hampton needed a change of scenery. Aaron Gordon needed a change of scenery. Chuma needs a change of scenery. Like, I think it's it, the writing is on the wall that he, like he's going to make what just like a massive improvement going into next year. And all of a sudden, he's going to be like a rotational piece. I just don't see a path to meaningful minutes for Chuma, especially depending upon what we do with the, the two draft picks. If we use one of them, if we use both of them, especially, 
But yeah, I think it's just kind of one of those things where like, hey, like this isn't working out for us. It's not working out for you. It, it's time for parties to go their separate ways, I think. But yeah, Chuma was definitely a, a bit of a disappointment this year. And Admiral, we can just kind of briefly touch on Admiral. I didn't expect a ton out of Admiral, and he was basically like right where I expected him to be. But I gave Admiral a C, uh, 37 mm-hmm. games. Magic were 14 and 23 in those games. Uh, he averaged 12 minutes, 4.2 points, 1.7 rebounds, uh, shooting splits of 45, 32, 91. That 91% from the, the free throw line was a little bit surprising for me. I didn't realize that. Uh, on off, uh, the Magic were 6.3 points per 100 possessions worse with Admiral Schofield on the floor. Uh, that was good for a 21st percentile in the league. So, again, most of the time Admiral was in the lineup Garbage minutes really didn't mean much. Admiral is who we thought he is. Like he mm-hmm. came into the season as a two way player, ended up getting that converted into a standard NBA contract. Really, really happy for him. I was whelmed with Admiral Schofield this year. Yeah, uh, I gave him a C plus. Uh, I uh, obviously he gets you know a little bit more burn at the beginning of the season when the team's not very healthy. Um, gives you some good flashes, but overall, like you said, he he doesn't really overwhelmingly exceed expectation for me, and he wasn't worse than what I thought that he was going to be. He's a, I think he is a solid voice in the locker room for these guys. You saw it even starting in summer league last summer, uh, and we talked about that. We had a segment basically where we talked about Admiral Schofield and what he does mean to this locker room. And I think that that's you know that that is really where he is loved the most and valued most is in the locker room. Um, so yeah, I, I rolled with the C plus for Admiral. From like the perspective of the two two way guys, I know we're going to do the backcourt where we'll talk about Kevon Harris. But between the two of them, who do you think like their skills are are more translatable to the NBA? Like which of those two guys would you bet on being an NBA player? It's got to be Kevon Harris, I think. Yeah. Kevon just showed you a lot defensively. Um, I got a little tired of him sometimes offensively just because he isn't a, a true NBA guy right now. But um, but yeah, I, I think defensively, he he's pretty great. So I, I would say that he could be a hustle guy in the league if there's one of them that's going to make it um, you know, long term. I think if Admiral could like get in the in the gym and like really improve as a three-point shooter like if admiral was a 40 percent three-point shooter i would maybe i would say admiral but it just feels like he does a lot of things like just okay like mm-hmm. there's not really anything that jumps out at me like oh admiral does this one thing really well i think maybe like yeah. playing with physicality because of his his frame right. but outside of that like doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, doesn't rebound the ball particularly well, is a is a okay defender, I, I guess. Can't really put the ball on the floor. I just don't know if he's an NBA player at this point. Yeah, and I mean it was tough also because he was put in situations where I watched him at six foot five playing center. So it's not like the magic were optimizing his skill either. So um so yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you though. What did you think of Goga? What was your Goga grade? Goga Goga exceeded expectation for me. Goga Goga got an A. Goga got an A. Oh, Goga. A. I All didn't right, talk I, to me. I I didn't expect 
legitimately anything from Goga. Goga blew I your had pants it. off for his for the expectation. Absolutely. Um, for me, his rebounding was the thing that the Magic needed most. He plays 15 minutes a game and he gets five rebounds. Um, he's easily a 10 rebound guy if you're putting him in, you know, 28, 29 minutes a game. Obviously, that will never happen. But he was on path, right? Like he was on trajectory to do so. I think that he gave the Magic what they needed in those limited minutes. I don't think that a bad player is capable of giving you the spurts that Goga gave you. Those were, and I've said it before, aside from Bull Bull early on in the season, those were my favorite sequences. When when Gogo would get a block or Gogo would get a rebound and start it on the break and finish with the basket or whatever it might have been. The Goga, the the fake pass just from the free throw line, just completely his defender doesn't even understand that he still has the ball and takes it to the rack. I he brought me some really fun moments in in only 17 games. So I really enjoyed Goga. Um, I don't think that he is on this team for the long haul unless it is at a, a third string center, essentially. But I did, I did think that he deserves an A, depending, you know, compared to what my expectation was for him. So I'll set the stage for my <laughs> expectation when we sign Goga. <laughs> Kevin texted, "Oh, the Magic are signing Goga," and I said, "Ill." I was not excited <laughs> about the Goga signing at all, and he did vastly exceed my expectations. But I could not get to an A with Goga, so I gave Goga a B. Goga played mm-hmm. 17 games for the Magic. The Magic were 5-12 and 12 in those games. He averaged 15 minutes, 5.8 points, 5.2 rebounds. 2.1 of those were offensive rebounds, by the way. He had a 13.2 offensive rebound percentage. So of all available offensive rebounds, he was able to gather 13.2% of those, which was the best on the team by a mile. Wendell Carter Jr., by the way, 74 offensive rebound percentage i'm not saying goga is like a much better rebounder than wendell it's probably closer than i initially thought but you also have to think about all the other things that wendell is being asked to do and the level of competition that they're playing against but i wanted to outline that just to show like goga is legitimately a great rebounder like legitimately a great rebounder average 1.2 assists Almost a block came out at 0.9 blocks per game. Uh, his shooting splits were 57, 16, and 66. Very much not a three-point shooter right now. Um, his on-off uh, numbers, he had the fourth best plus-minus differential on the team. If I could pull that up right now. So per 100 possessions, the Magic were plus 4.3 points better than their opponent with Goga on the floor. Again, we're talking about second units sometime even third units you know with goga but i was really impressed i might be talking myself into a goga a here i don't really know you have to but i was i was impressed with goga but the thing that i just can't get to an a with goga is because i don't see that guy being your everyday backup center i still think he's just limited enough hmm. that he's you you can't say all right we have our backup center going into next season i'm still looking to upgrade there and because mm-hmm. of that, I couldn't give Goga an A. That, that is fine. However, if we are doing these grades, like we said, you said you. That was your expectation. Compared to I the ill, he got an A. But just like he, the eye test, I could not give him an A. A. I, the it was flashes all were fun. It was the, the 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 rating thing for me was them against them. 
I, there's no other like just because I gave him an A that I have to give someone else an A that's clearly a better player. I just think that he vastly exceeded expectations because I really had none for him. Fair. All right. So yeah. that category, I think we can really just say like these are the guys that apart from Jonathan Isaac, because I still think Jonathan Isaac, if he can stay healthy, <laughs> is and has a, a chance to be part of this team moving forward, like long term. Those other guys, Goga, Chuma, Admiral, most likely do not. Now we're going to get into the guys that like probably or, or potentially still have a future with this team, but also had more significant roles than those other guys that we talked about. So now we're going to talk about Mo Wagner and Bull Bull. Luke, where do you want to start? We can start with Bull. Um, I think Bull had a, a tale of two seasons type of thing with the Magic. And I don't think it is coincidence that the better part of Bull took place in that 5-20 and 20 start. Um, for me... Ouch. Bull, Bull, listen, if you want our expectations, both Jonathan and I's expectations for Bull, Bull, just go back and listen to the offseason last year when we talked about him. It was never, we always just kind of went right We said he right wouldn't over. even play. We said he wouldn't play. So he is, but his grade does benefit. He from played the fact 70 that, games, by the way. Yes. So this, his grade does benefit. Orlando Magic the, the experts, how you doing? Yeah, exactly. So, Bull Bull for me got a B minus. Um, I th- I think you could talk me into a B, but just the the end of the season, the last half of the season, whatever it was, when his drop off occurred, um, was when I just was became completely out on Bull Bull. Um, I'm still very out on Bull Bull. I, I think that. He his numbers. If you just looked at his numbers, like he could probably fool you in some ways. He could fool you with his block numbers into thinking that he's a good defender. We have said it time and time again. Just because you are a good shot blocker does not mean you are a good defender. Bull Bull, quite frankly, looks lost out there. He he looks lost. He looks like like film doesn't even exist to him. Um, and and I just I don't know. I I just felt like he once teams got a, a pulse on Bull. That the he became a, a moot point. He became a, a neutral. He became even a negative. So for me, yes, he exceeded expectations solely because of his performances at the very beginning of the season. But uh, I don't know. I would have probably needed more from the perimeter from him. He shoots twenty six percent from three on one and a half attempts a game. You can't shoot that low volume and shoot twenty six percent to me. Um and be someone that's going to contribute long term defensively. That was the biggest thing for me. Um, however, he one point six turnovers to one assist. I, I just was not impressed with his IQ on either end of the floor this year. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with Bull, that's that's his grade ends up with me at a B minus. So I gave Bull a C. Like if if you were, and it's because he he looked so good to start the year. And then, like, like crazy regressed, especially once he fell out of the starting lineup. Once we started to get a little bit healthy, mm-hmm. but let's go through kind of the context here. So, Bull Bull, seventy games. The Magic went twenty six and forty four. He missed twelve games. The Magic were eight and four without Bull Bull. I don't want to say that's something. I, I don't want to say it's anything. It's definitely not nothing, in, in my opinion. 
Average 21.5 minutes, average 9.1 points, 5.8 rebounds, one assist, 1.2 blocks. His splits were 54, 26, 75. His on-off rating, the Magic, were negative 3.7 points worse uh, per 100 possessions with him on the floor. Um, Opponent field goal percentage uh, was actually plus 2.4% at the rim with him on the floor. 26 percentile. So a guy who really should be a, a great shot blocker, opponents were better at the rim with him on the floor. So that just kind of shows you that looks can be deceiving when we're talking about his rim protection and the impact that he makes defensively. Now, offensively, the dude shot 83% at the rim, which is good for 98th percentile in the league. When the dude figured out how to get there, he was legitimately unstoppable would have yeah. these games where he's shooting. Siri, my watch is freaking out on me right now. When he, he would have these games shooting 60, 70, 80% from the floor, that's why like, I understand the folks that are maybe out on Bull Bull like yourself, but for a guy who's going to cost you essentially nothing next year, $2 million, yes, in a roster spot, I'm still, I'm not on the Bull Bull train, but I would give it another year. Like $2 million, for the 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 upside that he brings, if he can figure it out, like the dude could be absolutely phenomenal. We saw it start the year. We're like, what's what's going on here? We really weren't sure what to make of Bowl. I think the more that we watched, the more that the flaws kind of jumped out to you, especially defensively and some of the stuff with the turnovers. Like once teams found out that like it takes eleven seconds for that ball to hit the ground and call him all the way back up to his hand because he's 57 <laughs> feet tall and they could just swipe on almost every single drive and you were more yeah. often than not going to be able to come up with a turnover. Once they figured that out, yeah, it was definitely a problem. If we could get him into like cutting like Franz, he's never going to cut like Franz. Most people don't cut like Franz. But like more off-ball action instead of putting the ball in his hands and having him try to create, I think that's where he was most problematic offensively. And then, yeah, the guy cannot shoot 26% from the three-point line. But it's still so much upside there. I'm not ready to give up on Bull Bull. But, again, you saw so much great things, so many great things with him from the beginning of the year. But the regression that we saw, you know, the last, you know, 45 to 50 games that he played, I ended up at a C with Bull. Listen, man. What it boils down to for me is that, and the reason that I say like I'm pretty much out on him is because before the season, the conversation was everything you read um, that's it's like criticisms of Bull was pertaining to things like his IQ, his basketball IQ. And at the beginning of the season, I was like, whoa, maybe everybody was wrong. And then it literally just came up all over again. I was like, oh, no, this is why I was out on him. So it's just like a bad taste in my mouth, essentially. Um, and I'm fine with Bull playing another year, trying to figure it out. The Magic, while they still try to figure it out with, you know, obviously now improved goals next season. Uh, I'm fine with just giving him one more. And then he can acquire a bunch of DMPs if need be. But uh, we'll see what they do with Bull. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure, but he is what he is, I think. And uh, I'm open to being surprised. So Mo Wagner now. So I gave Mo a C for this season. Mm. Uh, 57 mm-hmm. games played. The Magic were 27 and 30. 
in those games. 19.5 minutes per game, 10.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, shooting splits of 50, 31, 84, uh, 1.2 points better uh, on the floor. I believe it was 1.2 points better. Now I need to double check that because for some reason that doesn't know 1.2 point points better per 100 possessions with Mo Wagner on the floor, a 0.6 block percentage. So of all field goals uh, available, he was blocking 0.6 percentage of them, which is good for 12th percentile um, offense uh, opponents field goal percentage with Mo Wagner on the floor. They shot the ball 5.6% better at the rim, which is good for fifth percentile. So really what it came down to for me were his uh, defensive shortcomings, and then he just doesn't shoot the ball well enough from three. Now, really just talking about what he brings on the floor, if we're talking about what Mo brings in the locker room, I'm giving him an A+, plus because I, I really think he is one of the most important guys for this locker room. Uh, but strictly talking about the way that he performed this year on the floor, like I had real hopes of him, like potentially being like a legitimate backup center heading into the year. And he just showed me that he can against certain matchups, but not on a night in and night out basis. He cannot be your backup center if you want to compete. Yeah. Um, I gave, I gave Mo a B. And the reason is I feel like even this year, his his feel for the game was better than last year. Um, there were points last year where I might feel like, oh, it's the like Mo's doing too much. This year, I, I genuinely feel like he was able to pick and choose when it was time for the Mo Wagner show. And trust me, there are times when it is the Mo Wagner show, but more often than not, it didn't piss me off. And I think that can say a lot about a player if if they decide to, you know, make it all about themselves. But Mo Wagner, genuinely, I think every action that he makes is to make the team better, and what he genuinely believes is best for the team, not best for Mo. And so I, I really do think that that Mo earns the the B grade for me. Um, He's one of the more electric players on this team. And, you know, similar to a Goga or a Bull in terms of when they are on a run by themselves, it's a lot of fun. And Mo Wagner is just so pivotal to this team. My heart couldn't give him a C. So I, I gave him a B. All right. I'm not totally mad at that. All right. Let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to the folks that help financially support the show, our patrons. So first off, right off the rip, we have a couple of updates on the Patreon. So Maria, and this is a, a great example if you just want to give like a one-time gift and help financially support the show. Maria joined the Patreon. She went the whole year of our Hall of Fame tier, uh, which is $102 for the year. You get a, a discount for going the uh, the annual. But if you ever wanted to help financially support the show, but you're not all interest, that interested in like the Patreon or the Patreon benefits, you can come to the Patreon, sign up, do the one you know annual pledge. You don't have to take advantage of the other you know benefits. You're more than welcome to if you want, Maria. We would love to see you in the Discord. Uh, but if you just want to give a one-time gift, it, it is possible to do that through the Patreon. And then our boy Victor Cologne uh, went from the All-Star tier all the way up to the Elite tier uh, from $5 a month to $15 per month. So a big shout-out to Victor Cologne. Really appreciate that. And then, as always, you know, we shout out all of our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. Shout out to the Court Cousins, 
Drew Gooden, Carmen, uh, Carmen, that's my wife's name. Yikes. You're not my wife. You're Armin. Carson Tulo. I think I went Armin and Carson Tulo and just combined the two there. Carson Tulo, normal, Magic Player History, Julio, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave. Did I say Wiffle in there? Yeah, I said Wiffle in there. Donkey Punch Dave. It's not OKK to say Okiki. Pierre A, Migs, Doris, Nostalgia, and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimo, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Gerardo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destined for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Reekin, Shahin 177, Bulby the Don, Himlo, Ban Himro, RM Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Hit 714, Let's Spank Don't Tank, Soft Taco, Jesse, Johnny B, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Phantom Wolf 72, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Bull Bull, his first name is his last name, Only Franz, and Maria. Big shout out to all of our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Luke, let's get into the final player grades here for the front court players. Paolo, Franz, Wendell, where would you like to start? I'll start with uh, Wendaddy. The Wendaddy himself wearing the shirt uh, tonight here on the show, actually. Sixmanshow.com slash shop. Get yours today. Exactly. Exactly. With Wendell, I gave Wendell a B plus. 
for me, you cannot, this isn't an instance where, and yes, I'm partial, but I also think that this backs things back, get backed up here. Wendell essentially either improved, or I mean, either was virtually the same on like his just statistics this year or worsened in, in some ways, depending on how you look at it. But the numbers I'm interested in when I'm talking about Wendell Carter Jr. is that the Magic were 8-17 and 17 without him this season. And with him, they were 26-31. and 31. So that's a winning percentage of about 45.5%. Much better than 8 for eight and 17. So, and that was the weird thing with, with Wendell too, like with the, when the Magic were without him. The Magic, the, the Magic go on a nine-game losing streak without him, and then they proceed to go on a six-game winning streak without him. Yeah, you're, so, you have your biggest losing streak and your biggest win streak of the season with him out. Which doesn't make sense. Um, so, but all that to say, yes, the, the Magic were substantially better with Wendell active and available to play in these games. And that alone really is is good enough reason for me to give him a B plus. It just speaks volumes to what his impact is on this team. I gave Wendell a B for a lot of the things that you just mentioned. I, I expected him to take like a big step up this year. But I guess like the addition of Paolo, the growth of Franz, it kind of makes sense that his numbers didn't really improve a ton. Yeah. And the issue for me, like we we gave Jonathan Isaac, you know, a, a obvious knock for this, is the availability. Like fifty seven games last year, it was a career high sixty two games for Wendell. You you basically with Wendell, you have to have like one and a half starting centers. And I meant to bring this up at the top of our conversation, but maybe it's a good time to have it now. I half jokingly took a, a quote from Nikola Vucic's Nikola Vucevic. Good grief. I cannot speak tonight, bro. Nikola Vucevic's uh, exit interview with the Chicago Bulls, where he was asked about free agency, and he said, free agency is a mix of things. It's not just the most money, especially at this stage of my career, fit for me with the team chance to win, fit for family with third child due in June, to which I quote tweeted and say, Alexa, play... I'm coming home by Skylar Gray. And some people thought it was really funny. You know, that tweet has got 118 likes right now. Some people thought it was just stupid. Some people outright, like, totally disagreed with me. I'm not trying to replace Wendell Carter Jr. In a perfect world, I know it's not possible. I know it's not likely. Vooch would come back and be the backup center, right? If we look at Vooch, we look at Morris Vonner just, like, in terms of, like, defensively. Like one-on-one guarding like the the big bigs in the league, I'm probably going to go with Vooch because we know Mo Wagner is not going to be able to guard Embiid, no. not be able to you know guard Jokic, whatever the case may be. Who can though, really? But in terms of like a night in, night out, what are you giving me? Vooch is the better player by far, would be the more consistent backup center. And that just kind of brings me back to the conversation with Wendell, is you have to have essentially one and a half starting centers on your team if Wendell is going to be your starting center, because he has proven that it's going to be difficult to count on him for 70 games a year. And that's to me where he had the biggest knock. To be fair, the last three games of the year, the magic were just sitting everybody 
it's still 60 games. You're still missing 22 games. That's a lot. To plan on missing a guy 15 to 20 games a year is not nothing. That is significant. Especially right... If if you had another starting caliber center on your team, it wouldn't feel like such a big deal. But because the Magic just do not have an answer there, it becomes a big deal for the Magic. Yeah. Um, Give me Daniel Gafford yeah. on this team as a backup center. I don't care so much about Wendell missing, let's just call it 20 games. With Mo Wagner and Goga, I care a bit more. Right. No, I get it. I, I think that the answer, though, is, you know, just having a not a Goga, not a Mo at I your backup you center. I think you need like a top five, top 10 start, like backup center on this team. Backup center, yes. Like we need a Marching Gortat. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. We'll, we'll see what Wendell does in a season is able to do health wise in a season where the Magic night in and night out are fighting tooth and nail to make the playoffs and should be able to, in my opinion, comfortably make the playoffs, at least the play in next season. We'll see kind of how he's able to do it. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see the training staff function on fully like the goal being winning. Like, do we have like, what if Wendell just takes a step up and all these players take a step up and their games played? I don't know how that's going to look, but I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to know. So talking about his numbers. So he played 29 minutes per game on par with last year. 15.2 points per game on par with last year. 8.7 rebounds dropped down from 10.5 last year. I contribute a lot of that to like Paolo and, and Franz and other guys just kind of attacking the glass and trying to get out in transition. So I'm not Anthony. knocking him so much for that. Uh, 2.3 assists per game, uh, really on par with last year. Uh, 52, 25, 73 shooting splits. I tw- I don't know where 25 came from. That's not correct. It was 35% from the three-point line for Wendell. must have just been a typo on my behalf. Better than last year. Last year, 32%. This year, up to 35%. So he deserves a lot of credit for improving there. Shot 73% from the free throw line. On-off numbers, the Magic were 2.9 points per 100 possessions. Better with Wendell on the floor, which was 69th percentile in the league. Nice. nice. Uh, this is where he's he's a bit of a uh, uh, enigma, you know, in, in terms of like rim protection, block percentage, one percent. So all available field goal attempts, uh, he blocked one percent of them, which is good for 27th percentile in the league. And with him on the floor, teams shoot 0.2 percent more field goal attempts at the rim, which is 47th percentile in the league, but their field goal rim percentage is 5.9 percentage points worse, which puts him in the 94th percentile. So doesn't block a lot of shots. Opponents are seemingly more willing to attack the rim with him on the floor, but they're shooting almost six percentage points worse at the rim with him on the floor. Kind of crazy but I'm not going to argue with results. Like it shows that he's not a shot blocker, but he is a rim protector. Yeah. Really strange, but that's what it is with Wendell. But yeah, I ended up with a B Uh, anything else on Wendell before we want to move on to uh, the boys. No, we came on. Who do you want to start with? Uh, We can start with Franz. Go for it. 
say Paolo for last. Uh, for me, Franz is a B plus. He got a B plus for me. Um, you expect a jump. You know, obviously, I'm sure last year my player grade for from Franz was an A, just because of expectation. If I did it the same way, I don't remember. But Franz, you know, obviously, right? You didn't expect uh, that from Franz last year, but then now he's on my radar, right? Coming into this year, I expect a jump to happen, and he's able to provide that. He's able to step up. He goes from 15 points a game to 18 points a game. He plays a couple more minutes. He averages, you know, a half more assists, three and a half assists a game. Um, rebounds at a little bit lower clip, but I do attribute that to Paolo um, in general. Um, and then, you know, he gets the free throw line more. He shoots almost, he shoots over one free throw attempt more a game at like four attempts a game. So he improved across the board. Um, and, and I think that, he's obviously going to grow a lot more, but for me, that's why it's not an a necessarily. That's why I gave him a B plus just because I think that, that, that he did what I kind of expected, but he did ex- exceed a little bit there on expectation for me. I gave, he Franz also played 80 games, 80 games. Yeah. I gave Franz an a because we saw Eurobasket, right? We, we saw what he was doing there and like hitting threes, getting to the rim. But I think what, surprised me the most about Franz is like over the course of the year how he also evolved as a mid-range scorer and you talked about the improved free throw attempts he's he's shown that he is and can be and will be a three-level scorer and and really every meaning of the word so let's kind of just go through the numbers for more context here 80 games the magic were 33 and 47 with Franz on the floor uh, 32 minutes per game, 18.6 points, 4.1 rebounds, 3.5 assists, one steal, shooting splits of 48, 36, 84. Uh, usage percentage, 23.3, which is good for 82nd percentile uh, in the league. The Magic were plus 9.9 points better per 100 possessions with Franz Varner on the floor, which is good for 94th percentile. And then 16.6 assist percentage. So of all the field goals made on the floor with Franz in the game, how many of those was he assisting on? 16.6. That's good for 84th percentile for his position. And I was surprised when I looked at Franz's shooting accuracy numbers in terms of like the mid-range and what his percentile is. Short mid-range, 84th percentile. Long mid-range, 86th percentile. All mid 90th percentile in terms of mid-range shooting. So we know he can get to the rim, knock down threes at a 36% clip this year uh, with really struggling to start the year. So I think we're going to see another increase there for him next year. If he's 37 or 38% next year, won't surprise me at all. But also showed like he does have the mid-range game, which if you're going to be a three-level scorer, if you're going to be the guy at the end of games, Teams are looking to take away the rim. They're looking to take away threes. If you're a guy who can consistently knock down mid-range jumpers, that's massive in late-game situations. It's massive in playoff series as well. So from that perspective, Franz exceeded really all the expectations that I had going into the season. And the, the way that he evolved as a primary ball handler throughout the year was terrible to start the year, made great improvements throughout the season, he exceeded expectations for me in every meaning of what we're doing here, essentially. And uh, yeah, I gave Franz an A. 
and that leaves Paolo. Or do you have anything to anything that you agree with, want to add about Franz, or if you disagree? No, I think that I I fully agree. Obviously, with just really not just the evolution of the mid range over the course of the year, but just the the evolution of Franz Wagner from the beginning to end. Because you go from the expectation you had from EuroBasket to the beginning where you're like, man, where the heck did Franz go? Like there was just times where he was overshadowed by Paolo or just couldn't get it going. And it just came to a point where you're like, I really hope that Franz comes around. And he came around and almost eased your eased you a little bit more than you anticipated, you know, as he finally got into his groove. And uh yeah, you you go to realize that hey, it turns out high level international Euro basket play takes a toll on a player to start the NBA season. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll try to continue looking and monitoring that trend as Franz, I'm sure, continues to play internationally um, and, and see what, what he does as far as his production to start the year compared to you know, maybe he learns a little bit better balance there between Eurobasket and the start of the season for the NBA. I do have to make a redaction here. Unfortunately, I was looking at the team stats with Franz on the floor. So with Franz on the floor, this is one of the best mid-range jump shooting teams in the league. However, it is not all due to Franz. So Franz on long mid-range jumpers is in the 72nd percentile. Short mid-range, 47. Total mid-range, 49th percentile. So not great. Did show flashes there, especially from the long mid and then rim 66%, which is good for 67th percentile. He misses so many gimmies at the rim mm-hmm. that as he continues to get more reps, I think we're going to see a big improvement there. Uh, but showed flashes, at least, of being uh, being a, a, a three-level scorer, if you will. So B, not going to argue with that. A, I, I, I do regret that a bit now. Regrettably, uh, was looking at the wrong thing on cleaning the glass. So totally my fault there. Now let's go to Paolo, the rookie of the year. 72 games, Magic were 31 and 41 with Paolo, 3 and 7 without. Averaged 33 minutes a game, 20 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 42 29, 73 splits, 28.1% usage, good for 94th percentile. Shooting foul percentage, so total field goals uh, where he was fouled. 19.4% of all field goals he was fouled on, 98th percentile in the league. Uh, the Magic were four points worse per 100 possessions with Paolo on the floor, 31st percentile. And then his assist percentage, 17.1%, was good for 83rd percentile for his position. So both of these jumbo 6'10 playmaking forwards that we've been talking about, the numbers kind of back that up. Uh, I gave Paolo an A. He had a, a historic rookie season. Never in a million years did I think he was going to be quite this good this quickly. I gave Paolo an A. I gave him, let me let me just let me pull this up. I gave him an A plus 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 and while we're here I'll give him another plus. Okay. Like you said, historic rookie season from him. There wasn't a world, obviously, if we go back to draft night, he far exceeds expectations. Um, if you go to after summer league, I was a, uh, I was very much more aware of what Paolo Bancaro could do. But yet, he still managed to 
exceed expectations by a large margin. Paolo, uh, it is very impressive. I'm sure that the knocks on Paolo, people like on the surface could say, oh, 29% you know, percent from three, 30% from three, um, not awesome. 42% from the field. You know, you, you hope he improves that number. There are a lot of things that Paolo is going to improve. And the fact that this guy had the largest usage rate by four percentage points on this team this season speaks volumes to what the front office thinks of him. Makes sense why he was the number one pick. And the fact that he was even able to shoot 40 plus percent from the field is impressive, in my opinion, given the workload that he was given. You saw guys like last year, Jalen Suggs, who wasn't the number one option, struggle with efficiency. Cole Anthony, struggle with efficiency. Paolo Bancaro handled this with just in, just the craziest stones. He's he's super confident. That's never going to be, you know, I think that was really the, probably one of the more impressive things to me this year that did exceed expectations. The confidence that he had down the stretch that even though the clutch numbers aren't maybe awesome, he still was willing to take those shots in the moment because of his confidence. And I had confidence, even though his numbers suggested that it wasn't going to go well. I was like, nah, it, it probably could. Just the crazy things he does, like turn around, fadeaways from the baseline, nothing but the bottom of the net. He has it. And it is crazy to me that we finally have a guy that has it. And uh, yeah, he, listen, everybody listening right now knows Paolo Bancaro is the rookie of the year. They they know that he deserves an A, an A+++++, whatever you want to give him. He's the future of this team, and you can't help but give him that A. Even if you don't know what it is, you watch Paolo and you're like, yeah, he has it. I don't know what it yeah. is. That guy definitely has it just oozing with confidence like you mentioned superstar written all over him i got into arguments with magic fans at the beginning of the year because he was had this historic start and we were all like oh well i mean yeah he's great is he going to keep this up but it was my opinion that nobody knew he was going to be this good i think if if anybody told you oh he's going to have one of the best rookie seasons of the last 30 years they're lying to you that that people thought he was going to be this good this early on and it really is like the counting stats, the level of responsibility that he had all season, the flashes of superstardom that he's showing you. Like other guys had like a few flashes, like in the month of March, and people want to give them the rookie of the year. Paolo gave you superstar flashes on an almost nightly basis for 72 games this year for a team in the Eastern Conference where if they have a healthy point guard the first 25 games of the season, they're in the playing game. Like, this notion that like the magic were bad and like Paolo is playing games of no consequence. Not only are you not paying attention to the magic, you're not even paying attention to the league. You're not even paying attention to the standings. If you thought that Paolo for the better part of this year were pl was playing in games that did not matter. Magic were eliminated from postseason contention in the 79th game of the year. They played three games this year that didn't matter. And Paolo Maybe not always the best player on the floor. Almost always looked like the best player on the Magic, like throughout the the course of this year. So, Paolo, 
A. That was the easiest grade. Like I saw Powell, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely an A. Super excited to see how he's going to improve next year. But yeah, I sleep pretty well these nights thinking the Magic have their guy of the future and the Magic also have a guy in Franz who is 80% of being another the guy. Like Franz has it, maybe not as much as Paolo has it, but the fact that those are two guys that we can count on for the next 10 years, God willing, very, very mm-hmm. exciting. Look, I think that's going to wrap up our player grades. I don't have anything to add. I think uh, other than that goof up, as I am still learning to navigate things like cleaning the glass, regrettably so. Um, but yeah, you're doing that's a great job, really all my thoughts. Oh, thanks, sweetie. I appreciate you're that. Doing, you're doing such a great job. Can, can we just spin that tankathon? Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, so that's all I want. So with uh, Oklahoma City and Chicago being kicked out of the play-in tournament, I believe their tiebreaker is set to be Monday to see who is going to have the 11th and 12th best odds. Right now, they're really still tied there. I'm guessing maybe Washington and Indiana, if Oklahoma and Chicago is going to be Monday, why not Washington and Indiana? I think I saw Orlando Magic Daily tweet that out, that it was going to be Monday, or maybe it was Kobe. I could have that mixed up here, uh, but odds are still kind of messed up with Washington, Indiana, still having the same odds. Oklahoma City and Chicago still having the same odds. Magic sitting there at six with a 37.2% chance of ending up in the top four, a 9% chance of ending up with the number one overall pick. As it is currently, Chicago has a 8% chance of ending up in the top four and a 1.7% chance of ending up with the number one overall pick. Let's go ahead and spin that thing. And really not great. Chicago jumps to two. They would keep that pick. And with, uh, yeah, San Antonio jumping to one, Chicago jumping to two, Portland jumping to three, Charlotte staying at four. Detroit and Houston both drop, which means Orlando drops one spot to seven. So they lose the Chicago pick, and they end up with the seventh pick in the draft. I'd be sick. I would be sick. I would be sick. I did see someone... Man, I don't remember who it was. Um, mentioned that like they had done the digging on, I guess maybe at least with these lottery odds that the the twelve spot has never jumped into the top four. But I also think that the six pick has never jumped. So, I mean, I'm cool with staying pat. To be honest, give me uh Give me six and then 11 or 12, and uh, I'll, I'll be all right with that. Do you know there is a 0.2% chance that the Magic not only lose the Chicago pick, but they end up with the 10th pick? 0.2% chance, but that is a possible scenario with all of this. It's a nightmare scenario. Four teams behind the Magic, including the Bulls, would have to jump up into the top four for that to happen. Mm. This is what nightmares are made out of. That's true. Very true. I'm, I just want the official odds. So there's none of this like, oh, it might be this team. It might be that team. Like, just give us the real odds. We can run the tankathon. And yeah, I will say like every day that I run this tankathon, somebody makes me feel better by sending me their results with the magic winning the number one pick. I don't know if they're running that until it happens. If you are, don't tell me. 
But every day that you guys send me that, you're keeping my hope alive. Last year, 14% chance. This year, it's a, 50, it's a, it's a 9% chance. So you have a 5% less chance than last year. I keep telling myself that's not that much. It's still entirely possible. Yeah. We'll see. We will see. May we'll see. 16th. Let's wrap it up. Speaking of May 16th, that's going to be our draft lottery watch party. May 16th, it is a Tuesday night starting at 7 o'clock. Venue to be determined. It will be in the downtown Orlando area. So if you're in the area, make sure you clear your calendar, clear your schedule to come out and watch the draft lottery watch party with us. May 16th at 7 o'clock. Again, it is a Tuesday night. So if you usually work Tuesdays, get somebody to cover that shift, whatever you got to do. Luke, I think that is going to do it for us, for Luke Sylvia. This has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.